Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications, demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. You only have a 5% chance of being included in one of those lists if you are not on an affiliate market. That some of their media outlets they write for actually require the products be a member of Skimlinks, which is a program that you can add on to the affiliate market. Welcome, listeners, to the Misinterpreted Podcast. I'm Allison Lester, Director of Media Relations for Fletcher Marketing PR, sitting in for our CEO, Kelly Fletcher, today, and I'm joined by our Vice President, Sarah Merrill. On our last podcast, we talked about PR trends that we want to leave in the dust. We've been talking a lot about the year you know, in review as it's now Q4 and we're looking ahead to, to 2024. So today we're going to talk about the biggest obstacles facing the industry. Yeah. And, and I, I think this is a great topic because I'm sure there's a lot of PR professionals out there who are facing a lot of the same obstacles. And so one that we've talked about a lot lately is adapting to new technology. And our team has been doing trainings, I would say, fairly frequently as we've incorporated different technologies into what we do. And I think that's one of the great things about modern times is that there are a lot of tools out there and a lot of innovation that's happening that enables us to do our jobs better and more efficiently. And so for instance, we had a we've already had a podcast that was completely dedicated to AI, but of course, navigating AI, the ethical considerations, the guidelines on how it should and ought to be used, that has been I wouldn't necessarily say an obstacle, but it has been a learning curve and trying to navigate it and figure it out. Well, and it can definitely be an obstacle if you have clients who don't understand it. And think either that AI can do your job. Why should I have to pay you when I can just get AI to write blogs for me? Or that, you know, you should be able to do your job quicker because AI does it for you. Not understanding the way that we use it as a tool, not as a replacement. Right. And and that is a challenge, trying to explain how that's being used. And of course, GA4 that's a, I, w- I would say still somewhat new, but when it first came out, our team did a lot of training on that platform and we had to learn a lot about it since it was quite different from what we had used before. We also did a whole podcast on GA4. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's excellent for, for measurement. Wonderful tool and new development. But there is a significant amount of set up and a learning curve there that does create an obstacle. It is. Yeah. And of course, we have to work that added time into our schedules. And then we've uh, continued to find new and better software programs that we can utilize. We've recently instituted a new one that we use for metrics reporting. I absolutely love it. Our clients love it. But of course, we, we had to learn how to use it. And when we incorporated our, our new backlink tracking software. So in any case, it's just something where PR pros have to stay informed 
on what the newest technology and innovation there is for the industry because yes, there's a learning curve with it, but but as we found with these new technologies, once you get over that hump, um, it it can be really beneficial and provide a lot more value and meaning to clients. Absolutely. Yeah, and and really with that, another obstacle out there that we've that we've certainly seen in our industry is just an over reliance on on digital marketing. And it's not that digital marketing is 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 a negative. We need it. And and we do quite a bit of digital marketing for our clients. But the problem is that a lot of folks will see digital marketing as the only tactic because it's flashy. <laughs> There's sure. always something new out there with digital marketing, and always something changing. It is. It, it's quick. You can see results immediately and in real time. But when you only focus on a single tactic or like a category of tactics, you're not thinking about it from the full marketing sales funnel and how these different tactics are going to work within the awareness phase and evaluation and the decision-making and getting that, that final conversion taking place. And so... There's different pieces and different tactics that that work best within the marketing funnel. And digital marketing is certainly a big one, but it shouldn't be used to where you're not doing earned media or owned media or working on your, your website blog or any of those other number of tactics. Like we have a, a client right now that is looking to gain more members for their club. And for that, yes, we're using digital marketing, but we're also going to be doing direct mail campaigns and print advertising and in earned media, of course, is going to be a big part of that. And so so that's, that's just something that we, we just want to make sure that, that some of these more traditional tactics aren't going to be neglected for the hot flashy ones. <laughs> when you just mentioned earned media, which is of course my avenue and the one obstacle to deal with media relations that, that I talk about a lot is media fragmentation. And I've been talking about it for years and it's only going to get worse. And this is the media landscape is changing so much and there are more media outlets today than there ever have been. And it's not just the big three networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and your, your local newspaper anymore. There are blogs. There are multiple different 24-hour news networks. There are OTT streaming-only outlets. There are digital-only outlets. There are so many media outlets out there of all different kinds that it has created major fragmentation in the media landscape. And what this has done is created several different obstacles, one of which is just it's so much more to comb through as a PR professional when you're trying to find outlets that are the right fit for your brand. It's an opportunity because there are so many more options, but it's also an obstacle because... There are so many options. There's a ton. I mean, now that you can have all these different online media sites with 
almost no overhead. There's, yeah, there's so much competition. Right. But what that has also created is fewer ad dollars for each individual media outlet because advertisers can spend their money across all of these different media outlets. They're spending less at every individual media outlet. Also, ad dollars are based on ratings, market share, reach, all of these kind of buzzwords that we referred to in our last (laughs) podcast. But the ad dollars are tied to how many people the outlet reaches. Well, when there are more outlets, readers and viewers have more choices. So you have fewer eyeballs on each individual outlet, in theory. There are still some outlets that maintain a pretty strong hold, but for the most part, it has created smaller audiences across all of the media outlets, which means smaller ad budgets, which means smaller budgets overall, which means leads me to my next obstacle, which is the prevalence of paid media. Paid media has increased in how much it's being used by media outlets In just the two years that I've been working with Fletcher, it has increased exponentially each quarter. And so this is a strategy that media outlets are using to make money. I mean, they have to be able to pay the journalists. And so as the ad budgets are shrinking, they're finding other revenue streams and paid is a big revenue stream. This comes in several different forms. Advertorial and sponsored content is obviously a big one. And it's so much more common than probably even the average American realizes. Pay close attention, listeners, as you are consuming content on your favorite media outlet to a small disclaimer that it may be paid content because more of it is paid than ever before. And that just makes earned media more difficult because we find as we pitch outlets, we'll get a response that's like, this sounds like a great fit for a small price of $885. (laughs) We can include your advertorial and you have complete control over what it says. And, you know, as a former journalist, it feels a little icky sometimes because although I'm more than happy to write the content for my clients and for our brands, For it to be true journalism, it it shouldn't really be written by me, but there's a place for sponsored content and advertorial as long as it's disclosed, you know, ethically. You can still get earned media, but you just have to work harder for it. And again, referring to our our last podcast about PR trends, making sure that that you're finding the right outlet, that you're personalizing those pitches. All of those things are really important to gain earned media because the outlets really want you to sponsor it. They want you to pay for it. Yeah. And and it can still be a a good strategy. We, We keep a list of all the different paid opportunities and sometimes it, it helps with relationship building if you run ads every, every now and then and help them out. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I've, you know, we've also found that sometimes doing a paid advertorial or sponsored article will get you something extra for free, you know, because you've created that relationship. And so, yeah, earned media is still to me, the, the most credible, credibility building type of media, but the sponsored and, and advertorial piece of it is great too. 
The other piece that is really, really, really climbing is this affiliate marketing, especially if you are a consumer product. So if you are selling a product, you pretty much have to be on an affiliate market today in order to be even considered for inclusion on any sort of listicle in the major media outlets. These are, you know, the big, the big Hearst outlets, the listicles that you see all over your social media, you pretty much have to be on an affiliate market, uh, like, you know, Impact or something like that. I was on a call with a group of journalists who are writers for these big media outlets and do these gift guides and listicles. And they told us that you only have a 5% chance of being included in one of those lists if you are not on an affiliate market. That some of their media outlets they write for actually require the products be a member of Skim Links, which is a program that you can add on to the affiliate market. And what these affiliate markets do is the media outlet puts your product on their list. So like five best items to buy your your mother for Christmas. And if someone goes onto that list and clicks on your item and buys it through that link, then the media outlet gets a commission on that, usually about 15%. That's about the going rate. And so it gives the media outlet incentive to push out the content, which also helps your brand because they get a little bit of a boost for it. But it also gives the brand you know, the boost because your product is getting out there. It's a major media outlet with probably huge reach. We all get suckered into those listicles. I am as guilty as anyone of reading through all of the listicles for any gift giving season. And so it is a win-win. It's a very cooperative type of solution to the media outlet budget crisis that also can really help your product get out there but you gotta take the steps to put your products on the affiliate marketplace in order to be able to be considered. And that creates an obstacle because there's all of this knowledge that we have to impart upon our clients to help them understand the way that media relations works in that landscape today. Yes, there's the relationship building and there's the write a really great pitch and hope for that earned media piece, but also understanding that there's a strong likelihood that someone's going to respond to you and say, sounds great. Would you do an advertorial or love your product? Is it on skim links? And if it's not, you may miss out on that opportunity. Yeah, that's a really great point and something that really any any client that we have that has a, a product that would be in a listicle has been a great fit. So another obstacle that we've seen, and Kelly, our, our CEO, has has talked about before in an article for Entrepreneur and speaking engagements is pushback to an integrative approach to marketing and PR. And I, I can understand it from the standpoint of the business, because if you're paying for one tactic, then yes, you're, you're going to save money. So if you hire a PR firm to just do your media relations, yes, it's going to be less expensive than paying the PR firm to also do social media and and blogging and SEO or manage the, the Google ads. 
But a lot of times what, what ends up happening is if you're only focused on on one piece, on one tactic there, then you're losing that opportunity to tie them all together to be able to get the most value. So just as an example, so if, if we're executing a campaign for a client. So during the COVID pandemic, we had a, a client who was a, a resort and, and restaurant. And so they were trying to, to advertise, basically traveling and staying closer to home, getting a, a break from from being cooped up in, in your house and being a place that's full of nature and the great outdoors and a national park. And so it was a really great fit during COVID. And so for them, uh, when we were executing their their campaign and messaging tied to this, we had a media relations campaign that was that was announcing what they were doing and and their offering. And then we also had social media posts that supported the media relations. It, it worked hand in hand. And then, uh, of course, we were also doing digital advertising and we had SEO that, that was supporting it as well. So it was, it was really a whole very robust effort that all works together so that people were learning about this in the news and they're learning about it via social media advertising that's targeted to a specific audience, or if they're going to do a Google search, for instance. And so this really provided much better results. And it provided us the ability to tie it all together as opposed to if it was all working within silos. So if we were just doing media relations, someone else is doing social, someone else is doing SEO, they've got a designer doing print ads, then it's not going to all work together unless you get all those different individuals on the same page. And then you're not going to get economies of scale either in terms of of pricing. So really it it can hinder what clients are looking to achieve. And, and, and really the numbers don't lie with that. So if, if you've ever looked at statistics tied to integrative marketing, it's actually 300% more effective than just doing marketing within a silo. And so, and this is where, especially with content pieces, so you come up with like great content for a campaign, why not use it across all different platforms? That way you are getting the most bang for your buck and you are getting much better results. And so that that's where it is an obstacle that we have to overcome sometimes in the communication tied to integrative marketing. And so a part of that is just sharing some of those statistics, the, the reasons why it works so much better. And the clients that we have that use that approach, hands down, they have better results and I think reach their goals faster. Yeah. I mean, we started this podcast talking about the over-reliance on digital. And then I talked about several different types of media relations. And really, they're all just different pieces in the same puzzle. And then you throw in social media, SEO, billboards, ads, and any of that. But to have one strategic force behind all of it 
is so much more effective. And then you have the same look and the same feel across all of your messaging. Yeah. So that it's like the same voice. Yeah. So that your social media feels the same as your advertising feels the same as your media relations, as opposed to feeling like you go on to a brand social media and it feels very different than, than some of the ads you may have seen running. I mean, all of the great brands do this. If you think about the classic brands that are so recognizable, Apple, Coca-Cola, they have the same look and feel across all messaging. And that's, that's integrated marketing. Yeah, it is. And, and it does, does work very well. (laughs) So one obstacle that we talk about a good bit is, is reputation management has gotten more complicated as time goes on, especially in this day and age of cancel culture. People are less forgiving and one mistake can be deadly to a brand and it requires that we as communication specialists coach our clients to think before they speak and react more than ever before. Because just an off-the-cuff comment or quippy social media post can be far more detrimental in today's world than 10 years ago. And so it's it's a much more complicated realm of what we do, reputation management, and in helping, you know, it's I have a almost 13-year-old and helping him understand how his digital and social footprint will live on forever feels sometimes the same as what we address with clients. You know, it's like the things that you put out there now are there forever. And it doesn't matter if you, well, I removed the tweet. It doesn't matter. Someone has already screen grabbed it. It already lives on an archive site. And so you have to be so thoughtful and so careful about the things that you say it's another reason why DE&I initiatives are so important because having different voices and different perspectives in the room will help you catch things that you may not realize are wrong or offensive from the get-go. And so having a bunch of different perspectives to, to give you the forethought before you post or say something can help with a whole lot of crisis management on the back end. It's for better, probably, that the world is the way it is now, but it is more more challenging, and it is an obstacle. One other obstacle that we've talked about, um, and you know, I talked earlier about fragmentation and media and how many media outlets there are out there. It's content overload. There's just so much content out there that it's hard to make your stuff creative necessary for the viewer, give them information that they don't already have somewhere else. This one's kind of a fun obstacle, though, because it it really forces us to brainstorm more, to be more creative, to be more strategic about the messaging we're putting out there to help your content stand out from all of the other content. Yeah, it, it really is more fun. And I think the fact that especially on on social media that content has really gone towards video is because of content overload in order to stand up the static images don't don't cut it anymore so we're finding fun creative ways and 
of course, reels have gotten very creative. (laughs) Well, yeah, because it used to be, you know, everyone was harping on and on about how images are such and such percentage more effective than just the printed word. And now it's like video is like way better than that. And so, yeah, you have to do more. But it doesn't have to be more work. It's just working differently. It's working more creatively. It's, I used to tell my reporters at the television station all the time to produce what you consume. And so it's the same thing in the PR world. It's think about when you're sitting on your couch scrolling through content, be it via Google or on social media, what's the content that catches your eye? What's the content that you actually sit and consume and are going to watch that's going to stop the scroll? That's the type of content you want to produce for your clients, not the same content that, well, you know, Five lines in an image used to work. Okay, well, yeah. do you stop and read five lines in an, in an infographic now? Or do you want to watch something fun and engaging and you know, watch a quick reel? What do you engage with and then produce that for your clients? Yeah, or, or like boring copy, boring headlines, yeah. uh, for instance. Of course, we don't want to get all clickbait with it. Cause no. I hate, I, you know, of course, I hate the ones that are like the... You won't believe like, what happened after, yeah. Yeah, the, the top five things in your house that can kill you, number two will shock you. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, so, so not going down that road, but but there's certainly ways to, to write social media copy in a way that will make people stop and, and think or be interested. And as, as we wrap up here, we see the, the biggest obstacle for last I think businesses of all kinds are feeling this pressure and that's rising labor cost and inflation. Interest rates are are at an all time high as well. It is a difficult financial time because you want to be hesitant about raising rates in retainers for clients because it is a difficult financial time and you, and you have that empathy and there's also a hesitancy to, to pay more. But at the same time, the cost of, of really good, solid talent, it's pricey. And so that's a big obstacle of, of trying to weigh that and balance it out. And really what, what we've seen and, and we've, we've noticed this in the news as a trend is that PR and marketing firms are hiring more freelancers than ever. And that's because with with freelancers, you're not paying for, usually not paying for like healthcare or full-time benefits. The freelancers can be part-time and super flexible. And so so a lot of firms are going the the freelancer route. And so there there was an article that we just read online about the whole PR freelance frenzy. <laughs> and so so yeah, that that's something to to think about. And of course, having some solid full-time team members is just so important that you can always rely on. And, you know, with, with our team, we have a, a lot of senior folks on our team and and it, it does cost more, of course, but but you're getting expertise and, and a quality of, of work with that too. And it's something that that we we communicate to the people that we work with that when you hire us, we have a team of experienced professionals here. And so not not saying that it doesn't make sense to use freelancers. Sometimes just from a, a business model standpoint, 
it makes the most sense. And there's lots of really great PR firms out there that do utilize quite a few freelancers. But it's an obstacle for sure. It's an obstacle for the PR industry, and it's an obstacle for for businesses of all kinds. And so as we look towards the end of this year in 2024, hopefully some of this will, will alleviate, but a lot of it can be here to stay for a while too. And so we have to navigate it. I would encourage, you know, managers at PR firms, you know, even though, as Sarah mentioned, you have to pay some of the senior folks a little bit more to really do some research on the cost of hiring new employees. It costs you so much more to recruit, hire, and train new employees. So the more you can eliminate the turnover is going to be worth the incremental raises that you give those senior folks to keep them around. Having a stable workforce in-house is going to be more cost beneficial than hiring inexperienced training up and turning over every few years. There's just, if I had known I was going to address this, I would have done the research so I could cite it, but go Google it. I promise you the research supports what I'm saying. And so even in times like these, when, when you are searching for cost cutting measures, don't let it be your people, you know, find other way, other places to trim. Um, And if you, you know, the, the hesitancy to raise retainers, it makes sense because like you said, our clients are in the same situation that we're in. Their cost of doing business is higher. Our cost of doing business is higher. And so you don't want to raise rates to the point that your clients make you the cost-saving measure. It's not good for their brands. You need marketing, especially in a time when people are deciding how to pinch their pennies. You need to make sure that that your brand is still in the forefront. And so when you look for those cost-cutting measures, just don't let it be your people. Yeah. And I think it also makes sense to think through what benefits are most important to employees. And this was something that was back when I was doing my my MBA, it was a discussion we had in, in the management class of you know what, pay and a raise is sometimes the most valuable thing to one employee, but to another employee that may not be the most important thing. And maybe that employee would prefer to have more paid time off. They would like more time at home with their families, or they would like the opportunity to work remote more. And they would rather have that as a Basically, in, instead of a raise, that right. that is more meaningful to them. Or another employee, they they might really desire instead of of those two options, they might prefer the opportunity for advancement, right. and they would prefer to have some courses or workshops or classes paid for them and to receive a promotion. Yeah. So it really comes down to understanding what means the most to your employees? Because I think a lot of employers might be surprised that that maybe, yes, one employee, their goal and the thing most important that they need is a raise. And, and that's good. But then for another employee, they don't care about the raise. They just want time. Yeah. Sarah and I could go on and on about this subject. We're both relatively (laughs) new moms and um, have talked at great length about the way that your priorities change for what you want most (laughs) out of your profession as you kind of start a different 
personal chapters in your life. So, right, right. Yeah. And there has been a trend towards more work-life balance. And, and that's something we certainly enjoy a lot where, where we work. So maybe that, that could be a, a solution to some of the rising labor cost. But yeah, that, that being said, we, we've enjoyed covering these, these obstacles today. And, and the great thing is that for every obstacle, there's always always a solution. And so as, as we start to look towards the end of this year and in the new year, we look forward to overcoming all of these obstacles and leaving them behind. So thank you so much for joining us. And you can follow Fletcher Marketing at our Twitter handle, which is at Fletcher PR. And you can also follow the Twitter hashtag misinterpreted. That's M-S- interpreted. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in and until next time. Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.